You're listening to Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information, check out chrisblair.com. Hey everybody, Chris Blair here, and you're listening to another episode of Stories Behind the Songs. This week, I'm joined by two very good friends, Chad Works and Dave Tulliver of Halfway to Hazard. Man, this episode was a blast to film. I love these guys, they're hilarious. We had so much fun. Um, they are legends in the music industry. They kicked off their career touring with Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Taylor Swift, Jason Aldean, and more. You're gonna hear all sorts of their stories from being on the road with Tim McGraw, their first number one with their debut single, Daisy, the many ways they continue to give back to their communities, and so much more. They also play a small piece of their song, Daisy, and every time I hear it, I've listened to these guys for years and years and years, and it's almost like I hear them for the first time every time I hear them. Their harmonies are some of the best in the business. They are both continuing to stay active in the music industry. They play all kinds of shows together. They write a ton of songs, and they're also working on some solo career stuff right now with David as a solo artist and Chad doing a lot of behind the scenes producing. So this is a great episode. Uh, Let us know what you think and make sure that you check them out at a show at the listening room, which they play quite often. And if you enjoy this episode or if it made you laugh as much as it did us, let your friends know, share it. Your support is what keeps us going and we appreciate all of you. With that said, let's get to it. Here is Halfway to Hazard. (laughs) Hey everybody, here's another episode of Stories Behind the Songs. This is Chris Blair, and I am here with David Tolliver and Chad Warwicks from Halfway to Hazard, and I can already tell how this one's going to go. You know, we get that a lot. It's it every time. Don't put us in a box. Yeah, you don't know what you. Yeah, we like trying. No, but I do though because I've known you guys for way too long. So we share a lot. We shared a lot of a lot of ground together. We have. We no. We we. I mean, even doing radio tour. That was the first thing anybody ever said. Oh, we've heard about you two. Yeah. And I don't know what we did to deserve that moniker, If even if moniker is the right word. Is that the right word? I'll look it up later. Okay. <laughs> but we're happy to be here, Chris. I'm happy to have you. This is going to be a blast. Yeah. So, um, well, let's dive in. Uh, you guys uh, have had an amazing career uh, as a duo, as writers, and also now as individual artists yourselves. So I want to try to cover a lot of this. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the beginning um, from Kentucky. Tell me how you guys got into music in the first place and uh, how you two met. Uh, we were both musical kids, but in our own little hometowns in Kentucky, little small towns. So... We kind of knew of each other, but we didn't. We actually didn't know each other uh, personally. Um, he had a reputation of being a kind of a little a cruel dude. Like a, he was a he was a crooner. <laughs> Said he was ruthless. You know what Said I mean? He, he would cr- like play like Girl Scout conventions and sing in malls. He was kind of like the male Tiffany. You know what? <laughs> Where did that come from? I, no, my mom and dad used to take me around in, in a Winnebago. We had a Winnebago. Yeah, it's like what tracks, man? Yeah. That was his thing. And I had they had a sound system, two speakers, and a preamp, and and a tape deck. <laughs> and mom would switch out the tapes, and I would wear my little tuxedo and sing Chuck Berry and Elvis and I grew Ricky up Ben Shelton. I was the opposite. I grew up in a musical family where everybody played an instrument. You know, like family get-togethers. Everybody had banjos and mandolins and and guitars, and it was picking and grinning. You know, yeah. Every family get-together was on the back porch. It would start as a birthday party or something, but it would always end up with people getting guitars out. So as a kid, I was interested, but I really didn't take that much interest. I played piano a little bit, 
and I was into motorcycles and, you know, like every kid, you know, stick and ball sports, you know what I mean? We started doing it. Stick and, and ball. I, I've never heard it said that way before. Well, buddy, I'm here to educate you. Balls and stick. <laughs> that's that's like a like fraternity in, in, in Caddyshack or, <laughs> or, or, or or Revenge of the Nerds. So we, both, we were both doing music. I'll bring us back here. So yeah. we, we were both doing music as kids, but not together. And then Nashville actually kind of brought us together. He moved to Nashville. I was I came here to go to Belmont University in 1993. So I've been in Nashville for 30 years, which yeah. is pretty crazy. He wow. came. What year did you come? I, I came in 1998. I was going to. Yeah. I was. I. I. I mean, I'd, I'd taken a break from music uh, in high school. You put the tracks away. I put the tracks away. <laughs> I, I didn't start playing guitar actually until I moved to town in, in 98. I, I was going to go to medical school. I was going to go be a doctor. And I was going That's to scary. university. That is yeah. so scary. It is. Let me go take out your liver today. Now you just hush. Yeah. No, I, I, I was going to University of Kentucky and, and, and was working in an emergency room and, and saw, you know, I just saw a guy come in. They brought him in. He was dead. And I was like, I, I can't, I can't separate the human side out. Like, and God bless doctors for doing it because I yeah. can't do it. Um, but I, I dropped out of school and quit my job and called mom. I was like, Hey mom, guess what? I'm moving to Nashville and, and it's one of those situations to where you don't really know what they're going to say, but I had an idea and she goes, what do you need? Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I, I moved to Nashville and, and, uh, got a job at Applebee's and Hermitage and I was working there and I'd, I'd called Lori, Chad's wife, because Lori and I did like theater together growing up and, and show choir and stuff like that. So I, I had a better relationship with Lori. So I called Lori was the only person I knew in town and I called her and I was like, Hey, you know, what's going on? She's all, oh, you know, just hanging out. Won't you come over and, and me and Chad are here and we came over and you were carrying a briefcase at the time, I think, which was very odd. And, Makes and we sense. went to Green Hills Mall when it was actually still Green Hills Mall, and we ate at like the burger place there. I don't remember what That's it was. A good memory. I don't remember this, dude. Memory. Yeah, dude. I can't. You you didn't talk to me much. I don't. I didn't really like it at first. <laughs> but no, no. But 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 I, I reconnected with them, and and I mean, it was cool. Like, and I was I was active at that time in '98. I was still in school. I was getting ready to graduate, but. um I was active playing in in bands, you know, on campus and doing all that stuff, but. But at that point, I had like signed with a booking agency. Then we were playing covers, you know, playing all the frats and going and doing all the all the stuff like that, you know. But it was good. It actually was good money, and it was yeah. fun. And it, you know, looking back, it really helped me with my chops and learning how to deal with crowds and rowdy, pe drunk people and all that kinds of stuff. And I think it's kind of like paying your dues. But David started going with us, and he was. Uh, I started going to watch him. He did. He was going to go watch, but then Courtyard it evolved into like. You know, he started kind of working for us. I was us just helping. Text. I would just help him carry their stuff. And and, and, and then it became, it was a, a funny story. You know, we all look back on it now and laugh about it. He was the worst roadie we ever had. I mean, <laughs> I was he awful. would get distracted. You know what I mean? Like, we're waiting for guitars to be tuned and hand to us. And he was supposed to help with driving. But, you know, he, he partied too much the night before. And he didn't feel like driving. So it would be sleep. And we'd have to drive. At, you know, and the guitars would never be in tune. Or well, he would never be at the guitar tech hey, station. Hey. He's like, we go to get a guitar and it's not there and it's still in the case or i had to get a drink <laughs> <laughs> so we met we made fun of him but we we became fast friends i yeah. mean it just worked and we had the same sense of humor and we loved you know a lot of the same things being from eastern kentucky a lot of the history was same our, our families our you know just everything kind of made sense and it just fit together like a glove and 
it's hard not to to find a a kinship and a a familiarity familiarity that's a good word um you know when you're you're in a place that you don't know anything about you know no one there and yeah it's it's nice to have a little little touch of back home here yeah. and and Lori and chad were my family when i first moved here yeah. I mean, like yeah. i said i knew no one else and we did. We we shared a bunch of times on the road. I it remember was fun. We had a great time. Honestly, looking back, it was just all laughs and the stories were great. And I remember Chad at one point was playing. <laughs> you were playing for a label or something in Atlanta. Uh, when the yeah. we had to carry. I had it. a rock band, and we had actually had a, ended up getting a record deal. I had a record deal doing rock music, but at that time we were going for it. Like we were really looking setting this up these the showcases night. and whatever. And okay. I, we carried all this equipment up these stairs. I mean, it was, Chad had this double big cabinet. <laughs> it was two Marshall cabinets. True. And oh, cabinets were the case. big speakers. And yeah. they were all, they called it the monster. And I was, dude, I was It looked in the like you were carrying a washer and dryer in, it, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I'm dead when I get up the top. And that <laughs> night, I'd never worked with a Boss pedal tuner before. Oh. And I didn't realize the little red dot on it. They had me. just kind of come out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were new at that time. Yeah. It was a, kind of a game changer to have like a pedal tuner and all that. I mean, everybody takes it for granted now, but at yeah. that time, nobody really had seen many of them. Uh, and the little red dot on the top of it means it's sharp. And I didn't realize that dot was there. Oh, <laughs> so I went to I grab a guitar, man. I, no, I, I carried it out to him. He and was he, so proud to get his guitar. Look like what ever. I did. It's about like a dog when they like kill, you like do something bad and they come and show you. Yeah. It's like, that's what I felt like. like. He brought me the guitar and he was so proud that he had it all tuned up ready for me. First chord, it sounded like, you know, it was the devil aliens. went down to Georgia. It was whatever. aliens Demons and monkeys. Coming out. I don't know. Was, Everybody else was playing a song that Chad wasn't playing. Basically yeah. how it yeah. was. <laughs> and there's like a, there's literally like a couple of record labels in the audience. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's he like takes it off and there. slings it back I at just, me. I'm like, nope, this nope. ain't going to work. <laughs> Give me something else. But I learned. I learned. Yeah. But after that, I mean. Trial by fire. Chad had a manager, Christopher Washko. God bless him for putting up with us for many years. But he was like, I, I mean, I'd played a little bit, you know, just in, in friend circles. I'd learned how to play some chords on the guitar, and I was playing a little bit more, and I was writing with a bunch of guys, and I met at Applebee's that basically taught me how to write songs. And mm -hmm. um, I had written some songs and, and, and played them for Chad and Lori, and they were like, oh. So he told Washko, our man, his manager at the time, about it. Yeah. And um, Who had a history. I mean, he was working with me with <clears throat> rock music, but – he had worked with Travis Tritt and with Chad Brock and James Otto, like when they all came to town, yeah. and was doing some other things. So he had a country background as well. And I was like, I was like, I was like, David's got a real country voice, could sing and write and doing some cool stuff. He's like, no, he's just another guy coming to Nashville. He kind of blew it off. And I was like, man, I want to check him out. And I kept saying it. And then he but finally, he, I played for him one day. He was like, oh, okay. Yeah, he, he said, "What he, do you want?" The light do? bulb came on. He's yeah. like, "Oh, I get it." I was like, "I want to, I want to be an artist. I want to write songs. I want to <laughs> do play music." And and he said, "Well," and he started working. And that's when I became mm -hmm. his country guy, and Chad was still his rock guy. That's right. And then uh, I, Chad was out, had a you know, you had some success on radio with with Sodium, but yeah, and sometimes things just I mean, everybody, everybody knows it just doesn't work out. It's fortuitous that it didn't for for me. Yeah, because Chad, I was like, man, you want to come and because I was doing this thing at Third and Lindsley, yeah, uh, not to rep another place by any means. Oh no, um, no that's but good. I was playing every every Monday or two. I took over Keith Anderson's slot yeah. at Third and Lindsley when he got a record deal and quit. Yeah, quit playing there, and uh, I was playing shows, and I hit Chad up when I was like, hey man, why don't you come, you know, play some play some shows with me, and we started playing those shows and, and it just started becoming a thing. I mean, the first 
performance, I think there was maybe like our wives were there. You know, it's like maybe one or two other people. Um, my wife at the time. Yeah. Um, anyway, but it became a thing. It became a thing. It was an industry thing. And what we figured out was when you play these, we'd go, everybody was going to all these showcases. Back. It's a little bit different now, but back yeah. then you would have these showcases where people would set up the record label and you would come to a great place, a venue like here at the listening room and you'd like reserve it and have like, oh, a private event and all, you know, for a month, kind of build up the anticipation for it. And like this new act is coming out and you'd invite all the industry people and whatever still happens today, but a little bit different form yeah. of it. Well, what we found was if you had these things at night, most of the Nashville music industry lived far away. They would never come back to town to go to it. Yep. So they, you'd go to watch these, you know, like it'd be people would spend thousands of dollars on these showcases and had it all set up, whatever. And the people that they really wanted to be there weren't there. So what we started doing is we just started playing happy hour, basically, at 3rd and Lindsley. And we started at like 4.30 We would in the start afternoon. early, yeah, and we would catch everybody getting off work before they went home. Yeah. And so it became an industry hangout. So all of a sudden, we'd look in the audience, and be like, it's like all John these Rich records. and Miranda Lambert yeah. and Billy Currington and record. You know, plus like, all our buddies, our peers at the time, which are you know big stars now, yeah. you know, like Randy Hauser and Lee, Lee Bryce. Bryce and Dirks Bentley and like all these guys are we were just all coming up together and hanging out and they were all in the audience and all the industry people, all the booking agency guys, even though they're competing against each other in the markets, they're all having drinks and throwing darts and playing pool and listening to us play. And it just became a thing. And all of a sudden, like we found ourselves, a, yeah. we found ourselves in kind of a a cool position where people wanted to get involved with us. We started writing songs together, and you know, initially it started off with just us. I was just kind of playing. I was kind of like, let me come out and just play a little bit and see whatever. And then it, we started writing some songs together, and a few of the co-writes were like, "You guys sound really good singing together. Have you ever thought about making this official?" And then it just turned official, and it turned into a thing. And d to digress, to go back, which I thought was ironic. You had taken Keith Anderson's place at Third and Lindsley. Mm -hmm. My rock band, we took the Warren Brothers' place <laughs> out in Antioch at this little shooting staff. Courtyard Cafe, the Courtyard yeah. Cafe, and uh, and the Kinleys, they played there too. Yeah. And so uh, Phil Vassar. Yeah, so uh -huh. we ended up taking their place. I just think it's funny how at that time there was kind of a rollover. You know, when when one act would kind of get something going on, somebody would move into that spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. Um, the halfway to hazard thing. Then, then it was like it was on. Like we had at that point, we had to figure out. We had a, we had to end up having a bidding war, between, and we had to change our name. We were, yeah. we were called the Redneck Rock Stars. So, so how'd you come up with? Yeah. So to, what happened with that? Like how'd you come up with that? Had, and what, what there was changed? A, it was a big deal. Yeah, we had we had Universal and RCA that were were fighting over us, and we finally ended up going with Universal. And they're like, "Hey, Brian Wright at the time was like, hey, we really don't want you to be called the Redneck Rock Stars.'" And we were like. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, he was like, we want to get away from the redneck connotation and all that stuff. Anyway, but he was like, he was like, you got to come up with a new name. And we just beat ourselves to death over it. Yeah. And the first song Chad and I ever wrote together was a song called Cold. Yeah. Wrote with Chris Burgess. Yeah. And uh, the first line of it was halfway to hazard with the rain coming down, which is talking about the county line where you could, between our hometowns mm -hmm. and hazards, where you could buy alcohol. And we're like, halfway to hazard. Sounds, well, what we, a cool what we logo. found early on was we wanted to call it Hazard, but we couldn't trademark it. It was yeah. a thing about like yeah. transporting hazardous materials. The nat the federal government had it like basically carved out where you couldn't trademark that name. The so, government screws everything. Yeah, up. so we were <laughs> like, all right, let's just start adding some other words to 
like a phrase and nobody was really doing that at the time. It's no. a little more common now, but it was it was pretty unique when we when we did that in like oh six, I guess it would have been. Yep. And we did halfway to hazard. It was a phrase in a song, but it worked as the as the name. And, and it was it, the logo ended up being really cool. I mean H two H, come on. Yeah, yeah. So we started, yeah. you know, dealing with the all the creativity and the branding and the marketing and it worked and everybody loved it and we bought into it and we when were on we our way. Were, when we were playing Third and Lindsay though to back up just a hair bit before we got signed to Universal, we played one night and this little dude comes up on stage afterwards. And this is at the time where the inter- internet wasn't as prevalent with pictures of people as it is now. And this guy we've never seen before because, you know, just didn't have that opportunity. But he comes up on stage, he goes, Hey, you boys is really good. I'm like, thank you. Appreciate it. You think it's just a guy. He goes, My name's Byron Gallimore. <laughs> you know, I'd really like to work with you if I could. And we're like, holy shit. It's, <laughs> this is Tim McGraw's producer. Yeah. Faith Hill. Faith Hill. Yeah. Go down the Seen list. Him. I mean, it was a big land. So we were like, okay, yeah. that's cool. And then, ironically, we had some other people interested in producing us and record labels, uh, booking agencies. We, you know, it was flattering. It was cool. We got a lot of lunches and dinners bought for We us. did. Yeah. You know, we ate good it, for a while. Yeah. But it, we ended up, you know, we we nailed the team down. We got it. We signed with William Morris, and we signed with Universal. Byron the, brought in Tim to help him produce. Yeah, and he's like, Tim really loves what you guys are doing, too. And, you know, we ended up is Universal, but ends up being the Mercury imprint. And it was just it was off to the races. It, yeah. went, it went really fast at that point. We yeah. got signed, signed and yeah. then got in the studio with Tim and Byron. Yeah. And then Tim was like, hey, do you want to come out on tour with me and Faith this summer? Yeah. We're like, uh, yeah, bud. Yeah. I guess we will. So here we are. I mean, at that <laughs> I have point, no idea what we're doing. At that point, like, I mean, we both had some experience in playing shows. We'd been playing some shows a little bit and doing, you know, a little bit of out-of-town stuff, but mostly in town. But until you step on the stage but in front of here, yeah. here we are, yeah. like 16, 20,000 people. They're in the round on the Soul to Soul tour. Yeah. Or what, two tour. Soul to Soul 2007. Yeah, whatever it was called. Yeah, and two. so yeah. all of a sudden, Tim's like, and it wasn't like a typical opening thing, like where the, the band is playing and everybody's getting their drinks and still walking in. He would... Make the door, hold the doors and everything until we, until everybody was in and he would let us go on stage after everybody was in. Really cool sentiment from mm. him and really cool for it. So we would play to full arenas, yeah. I mean, full, you know, sheds, amphitheaters, outdoors or whatever. Like we were playing like the full thing. It wasn't like people were just like, you know, making their way in. Well, oh, who's this playing? I mean, they, and he would come out and say something about us or do He things. introduced I mean, us a few times. He, he, at his show. He was very I proud didn't know, of us. I didn't you know, know that part of the story. That's yeah, really he, cool. He was very proud and wanted to be involved with us. And he would we hit were, us in the balls as we went up out, oh, yeah, he out was, from under he the stage place, every jokester. time. He would hide and sneak attack you. Yeah. Man, that's, that's pretty huge. Uh, not that part, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, you think about like, it doesn't work like that anymore. I mean, you're like the most of the time, Nick, now you got to, you got to, a lot of people probably don't even know this that go to concerts, but like that opening act typically is paid to be there and they're not getting paid. They have paid to be yeah, in that 100%. opening slot. Yeah. And yeah, you're, you're playing to people that are walking in, going to concessions and, you know, Tim's very loyal to his people and he was a maverick in what, in his approach to everything. Like he didn't do anything with radio. 
like after his for first, himself for himself you know? the first start after first of his career he was like I'm not going to radio stations I don't know how he did it well he was lucky because and he he would say this I'm not putting words in his mouth or whatever no. but don't take the girl like literally was a viral we say viral it was a vi- that isn't word they used yeah. then but it just boom it was a hit yeah whatever so he didn't have to go do a bunch of radio and stuff so he never really learned how to do all that so all of a sudden. We did, you know what I mean? We're at a different time and we didn't have a big hit song, you know, to start with and whatever. Like we were trying to get, you know, break in, but he would go with us on radio tours yeah. and whatever. I mean, he we would, would play go live on air. With yeah. Him I and mean, the he would do whatever he was trying. He really did he want to break us. And it was really, it was really cool to watch that. And Faith was very supportive as well. You know, she sang on our first record. Taylor Swift was out with us on that tour, some dates. Yeah. Bro. Which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. It was, you know what I mean? It was like, her and yeah. a guitar player and a banjo player. I mean, we had, it was a, it was a neat experience. And we, like I said, we were playing the full arenas and our record wasn't even out. That may have been a misstep. We tried I mean? our, we tried. We were like, look, can we have our record early to sell when we're on the biggest tour of the summer? And they were like, "Yeah, we we don't know if that's we don't know if we want to do that right." That part now. Like, of the strategy, looking back, hindsight's always twenty twenty. <laughs> not mad about it, but no. I just don't. I think to me, knowing what I know about the business now, I think if we had had something for sale and had something to promote instead of waiting, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. think people were caught. They're, they're excited in the moment. They might go buy. We did sell some merch. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we didn't have music ready. We didn't yeah. have music available, and it wasn't that it wasn't. You didn't have Spotify. You didn't have yeah. Album that music. stuff wasn't have, around. Yeah, then. you know, it's Pandora. A different animal. You know, yeah. you had to have. You had to catch that. Like Chad said, you mm-hmm. had to catch that excitement in the moment, and them wanting to have that ten dollar CD CDs at the time. Yeah, uh, they you needed to have that for ready or at least available a single or whatever yeah. on a right. CD. You know what I mean? Something that they could hold in their hand. It was a tangible object at that point. They wanted. Fans then wanted to have it, and then you could sign it at merch. And, and we still whatever. we went number one on i and iTunes when the album came out. Yeah, I mean, we had Daisy, Daisy, Daisy was up. single yeah. of the yeah. week. Yeah. yeah, on and iTunes, and, and that record and ended up being like number fourteen on the whole iTunes on the chart. whole iTunes chart. And like yeah. we had a lot of cool accolades and a lot of cool things going on at the time, and and it was a great tour. We learned a lot, and then you know we came back the. I guess it was like it was a, the following following summer. The following summer, we ended up going back out with them again. It was Jason Aldean, Halfway to Hazard, and Tim McGraw, and that was a fantastic tour. It was a lot of fun, and that was all outdoor amphitheaters and sheds yeah. across the U.S. and Canada. And well, that's when Jason was just hitting his stride. Yeah, too, his man. was so he his was, thing was he had had he was slaying it. I think he, he had had like two big hits, maybe three, yeah. and then it was like, it was on, and that's when his, his hit thing just really took off, but it was cool to watch those guys, and actually Rich Redman, which still plays with, with Jason or whatever, was in my old rock band, like he had played a lot of dates, and so yeah. him and he stuff. He jumped so, on drums with us. Yeah, he would get up and play with us sometimes, and, and I knew those other guys, actually, I mean, Kurt and Tully both, I knew from Antioch, from playing um out at the the courtyard cafe, it was a small, you know. Everybody kind of knew each other, yeah. and at that point, we got to be good friends with all of Tim and Faith's band and stuff too, and knew all those guys. And a lot of them were session guys that had played on our record yep. too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, and it was just ironic to see how it all worked. And it was a small, and it felt we good. played basketball with them mm-hmm. every day. It was oh, it was required. You McGraw, had to. I think he's probably still like that. You know, he's always been in athletics, and he's a he's an athlete. He's he's got that extra gear, and. uh but at that point, it was like, got to play basketball. And I remember our manager at the time was like, no, I, I need you guys to do – I got I got a, a press thing and you got to do this and whatever. And I was like, nope. I was like, dude, 
this is way more important. I know you don't quite understand it. And then he finally got it. He's like, okay, I get it. You got to go, you got to hang out with the boss. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, so we had to go play basketball. And it was basically go get beat up by Tim. Yeah. yeah. He broke my ribs <laughs> twice. <laughs> I mean, I would it was ju- rough. It was rough. It was street ball. I mean, well, we I, were all out there playing. I played rough. basketball my whole life. A lot of road and, rash, and you know, blacktop, it set up the goals. Oh, yeah. and was, I would just eat McGraw alive at basketball. I would just dunk on him, score on him. And finally, it got to the point, I, 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 he just started punching me on my ribs every time I would go up for a shot. He, I'd literally punch that me. That tour, we were sharing a bus with Lance Miller, too. Lance was oh, coming yeah. out. He was, try, he was an artist. You know yep, what I mean? He had yep. some cool stuff going on and just a great country voice and a great guy. But it was so funny to watch him. Like, I mean, he, he looked like a deer in headlights all the time, didn't he? Lance, I mean, we love Lance. Great songwriter now. He's, he's big great, hits yeah. and just hilarious he and was whatever. So he was so He'd be turn, out there playing basketball, too. And it's, it's funny to see all these musicians out there, everybody, you know, in their shorts. And like, we got to go play ball. You know what I mean? Like. And I, it was just, it was a fun Poor time. Poor Lance. Man. We, we, I think we corrupted that fella. A couple we, of times we'd have to talk some of our band guys into playing. Like if somebody was hurt, like they'd be short. McGraw be like, we're short two players. It's like, I need somebody from the hazard crew. We'd like, I'm like looking at my guys like, I don't know which one of these dudes is going to Nobody be wants to get punched. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, they got to play tonight. We yeah, need them to like, get hurt. Oh, it was something, man. It was fun. We, and great. that tour was fantastic. We had such a blast out there. I mean, and I mean, you know, and what can you say? I mean, you're on the, here you are. We went from a small little third and Lindsley, tiny little bar in Nashville, kind of a locals hangout, you know, it was known for good music, but then we're on the stage, you know what I mean? With some of the biggest country artists ever. Yeah. yeah. A couple of years in a row. You it's know, shocking. Like, and then, you know, we were doing all these private functions and things were cooking. Yeah. I had good things going on. This episode is brought to you by Sennheiser Microphones. When we first started this podcast, we were using some older microphones and Sennheiser came in and sponsored us and gave us some MK4s and 914s. And I mean, I'm telling you, it's made all of the difference in the world. We love these microphones. We use them at the listening room as well. And I just can't say enough great things about them. Go check out Sennheiser.com. If you are into music in any way, their microphones are hands down the best on the planet. Go check them out, Sennheiser.com. And thank you, Sennheiser, for the support and the sponsorship. We love y'all. So uh, when when the album did come out, um, what, you know, how, how did that... Uh, how did that go? Like, you know, were you able to do that the second year out um, and, and push, push the album and, and those are like, I mean, we, it's funny. We talk about it all that we've, we've had a, a lengthy career basically off one album that had, you know, a couple, a couple hits on it. Um, it, it, it's, I don't really have an answer for that. It was hard. It, it came out on my mother's birthday, August 14th in 2007. Yep. And we missed that whole tour. The next, I mean, we sold quite a few albums off there. I don't know the right number off the top of my head right now because I don't I don't know how to search, search for that. But, you know, the album did well for the for the promotion and we had a bunch of stuff happen at the label at that time again not to dwell on the past or the bad stuff about it but i mean we carried daisy was a top 40 hit for us uh, with three regions they fired 
yeah. a bunch of regionals when we got signed to the label. And yeah, Mercury had, was and they were, in they were under a big restructure. They had a lot of a lot of stuff going on at the time, and but you know, high, whatever we can we can pick stuff apart like that, yeah. like crazy. And we've done it. There's been part. There's been times in our career we've looked back and been like, oh, if we'd have done this and done that, but it it played out the way it played out. So yeah, and we're very calm. We're, I mean, after that, we took a break. Um, I had some personal stuff I was going through with my with my family, and and you know, I was just like, man, I gotta. Music's music's the problem. It wasn't, but we took a break for a while. Chad went and played uh, for Hauser, played for Keith Anderson, mm -hmm. and did his solo thing for a while. And uh, I, I took a step back from music for for a year or so, and then uh, and then went to lunch with McGraw one day. And I had gotten back into writing a little bit. I finally was like, you know what, I'm I'm meant to do this. Got back into writing. And had written some songs. <laughs> I remember we went to Sportsman's Grill. I went to I went to play it for him in his in his really nice car in his CD player. Still had CDs, uh, and it wouldn't play. And I was like, Oh God, here we go. So I said, Well, I guess I'll just I'll just go back to selling tires or whatever I was doing at the time. <laughs> and uh, I said, Man, I'll just email them to you. So I emailed them to him, and I got home, and he called me. He goes, Hey, man, I want to cut this song. And that's when my life turned back around, and I signed a publishing deal with McGraw, like a week later. Yeah, and got back into the music. And at that time, Chad was doing his solo stuff and was mm -hmm. was actually doing really well with it. I mean, you. Yeah, I mean, I had some good things going on. I, I you know, Randy Hauser had called me like when Halfway to Hazard, we took a little hiatus, and he's like, "Man, come out, play guitar for me. We'll figure this, you know, while you're figuring out what you want to do." So I went out there, did that. For a while, I had a good time. Actually, replaced Keith Gaddis, God rest his yeah. soul, um, at that time, and uh, playing guitar out there. And then I was like, "Man, I don't really want to be." It was I'll, to be transparent. It was a little bit tough because everywhere we went, all the shows we were playing and running into radio people were like, "Wait, what are you do? What? What are you doing? Whatever." And they'd be like. What happened? To, what's going on with Hazard? And blah, you know what I mean. So I was constantly answering those questions when I was out there, you know, running into because Hauser was killing it, you know, Boots on is was doing great, like all the all the that record was doing really good, and he had a lot of things going on. So radio people were around, industry people, you know what I mean. So I would try to, I would kind of try to hide, you know, where I wouldn't have to answer questions, or whatever. But so I was like, well, I don't really want to be out here on the road doing this. <laughs> so I ended up switching places with. Keith Anderson's guitar player at the time, Bob Hatter, God rest his soul, um, was like ready to go be on the road a lot more. So we kind of swapped places. Keith was not playing as much. So I went and played for Keith for a couple of years. And it was fun, and but it wasn't as active, and he wasn't really killing it at radio like Hauser was at the time. So it, it worked out being you know a couple of years of me doing that. Then it evolved into me being cutting a record and trying to get th some things going and we had a song on the highway and things were going good and, but it just, it wasn't the same. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. It just wasn't quite what this fulfilling because I, you know, we'd poured our heart and soul into Halfway to Hazard and we really wanted to see it, you know, take off. And I feel like we always had the potential for it to be huge. You know what I mean? And as much effort as we'd put into it. I mean, as much as you want things to, you want yourself to succeed, some things just feel right. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Chad did his thing for a little bit. And then 
slowly but surely we kind of back into yeah, it. Yeah, you, know, you know, I had a tour. I was opening for Craig Morgan, mm-hmm. and we were out doing tour dates, you know, for a couple of years. I was doing that. So finally we'd start seeing, you know, it wasn't like we were mad at each other no. or we were still hanging we're out still when hung we were out. around or whatever. I was just, it just didn't, we just weren't doing active halfway to half. I just, I was focusing more on the songwriting side. Yeah. I was in yeah. town. I was doing that. I do writer's nights here and there. And then finally, I don't know how it came about. We just kept sneaking back closer together and we would be like, well, let's go do this. We get, we kept getting offers for shows. We've yeah. never not got offers for shows, yeah. which is amazing. Like Still said, to we, this day. I yeah. mean, we can talk about that right now. Like, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like we couldn't really quit if we wanted to, because I mean, right now we get about 20 dates a year that just fall in our lap. It's, it's either for just, great money like, or for a great charitable and cause. And great shows. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so we, we love doing it and it's a lot of fun. And it was the same thing then. Like, People just kept saying, well, we got these shows. We got this little tour. Come do and, this. Okay. Come do that. And we're like, all right. So then all of a sudden we started writing songs again. And we signed with another, uh, yeah. signed with Buddy Lee. Yeah. And yeah. We had, you know, we had, we had one song on, a, on another little record label for a minute. And, you know, and then that record label ended up being, doing pretty well. But anyways, uh, after I we think left. You, you said something right there that I want to jump in on because I think like you guys know how to throw down. You know how to put on a great show. Um, but, you know, like it, it's I think it's also important to talk about like both of y'all's hearts, you know, and you just you love giving back to uh, and you talked about yeah. like you, you go and you do all these like corporate gigs and benefits and all that. But with the benefit <sighs> side, you guys have raised a lot of money for music programs yep. in Kentucky. Yeah. And you, you know, you give of your time in that way too well to much who's much is given much is expected and we had an idea when we were a long time ago uh right at the time we were out with mcgraw we were like we want to do something back home we want to do something that yeah. we want to do because we had done like the you know the miles for music with dirks and a bunch of other charity stuff and motorcycle rides or harley stuff with yeah. Montgomery gentry and with mcgraw and you know Doing all these, they were really cool events that we we never really, you know, until you're in country music, you didn't know that these kind of events were happening yeah. or whatever. And some of them were based around CMA Fest, which was at that time Fanfare, whatever you call it. And that people were, every artist kind of had their little unique thing, you know what I mean? There was the softball game and there's yeah. the, but the there was these Harley Rock, yeah, stick and ball. And there's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like there was Harley rides where you have celebrities and people would mix in, you know, whatever. And we both rode motorcycles and stuff like that. So we would always do the Harley ride. Anything was at a yeah. Harley, we were like, sign us up. Our management always knew, like, sign us up for that. If this is in Vegas for ACMs or in Nashville with Dirks or Montgomery Gentry or McGraw or whoever. And so, but then we were like, man, we want to do something that's like unique to us. And at that time, I got to tell you, it was, pr- it was pretty... Uh, nobody was doing anything like this. No. So we were like, we want to do ATVs, dirt bikes, and a big concert, but do it back home outside of Hazard, Kentucky, you know, somewhere close to where we, and we, and it just was a God, a godsend the way it all happened. It was a big, like, like everything just opened up and worked out. We had, had a this idea that donated the farm. They donated the land. They're like, we want it to happen here on our property. Built like a this thousand, stage. Thousand acre property that they basically donated. And then we had all these volunteers want to come and build the stage from logs and stuff that were right there on and the property. And we're not talking about like a little rinkening stage. No, no, this we're is talking a about huge stage. It's like, you know, like a 200 foot long stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like crazy. Like all these, you know, all these things came together. This trail ride, the, at the time, Kentucky 
adventure tourism was just launching and they were wanting to expose and try to, you know, really get people outdoors and on their trails with, with dirt bikes and that whole segment that's now blown up. You see it, you know, especially since COVID, yeah. like, you see like all these rides. The outdoor. brimstone's big over yeah, that everybody area everybody has now. these rides like this. I'm telling you, nobody had done this at the time. And we, we, were like, were, we were trailblazers in this. We should get like royalties <laughs> from all of these rides. <laughs> but they, but nobody had been doing it, so we set it up. Everybody told us we were crazy for even trying it. because Our we manager were like, was like, no. It's not going to work. You can't no, do it. There's no infrastructure. You know, we were talking. Nobody's you know, going to come there. Nobody's going to come way up in the middle of nowhere. Was it just you? We, it was our well, idea. It was our idea. Yeah. So we just tried at that point, and then we just started getting in our phone. I mean, we started asking people to bring. Okay, so yeah. Come, yeah. Come, everybody, come play, come yeah. do this, come be a part of it, whatever. And we were going to give all the money to charity. So there was a there was a facility right there near the stage, um, and that property that was a a school and a and a almost like a. It's a second chance home for kids for that kids had, that, that, that have made bad okay. choices and yeah. whatever, and so. <laughs> That's kind of how we started, and they were fantastic to work with. And then we just started expanding it. And every year, we did it for seven or eight years. Yeah, I the mean, the first year was like us. And I mean, you know these guys now, but you didn't know them then. It was like Hauser yeah. and Lee Bryce yeah. and, and Daniel Peck and Gabe Garcia. And, you know, and Brian Davis was a songwriter at the time. And yeah, I knew it. I knew it blew up, but like that first <laughs> Stormy year, got involved. Yeah. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah. And he started putting it on his little TV thing that he had, Headline Country. Headline or, yeah, 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 all that, whatever it was yeah. at that time. And then McGraw came the next year. Dirks, Dirks came. Chris Young, Montgomery Keith Anderson, Gentry, Keith Anderson, Hauser, Lit. Um, I mean, then we had all these cool songwriters too, you know, Chuck Cannon and uh, Randy Montana. Uh, like, I mean, we just, it just blew up in this thing. And all of a sudden, every year we'd look out, everything would grow. Like, and it was like 10,000 people at this thing, you know, and we had, and we had grown it from nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was a field in the middle of, Beautiful Eastern Kentucky, where we're from, in my home county, and there was there was no infrastructure, there was no stage, there was no electric, there was no water. There was, and then, and then by the end, of, by the last year that we had done it, we had water out there, we had electric, we had all these, you know, food booths, and you know, people. And nobody these shows. got paid. The volunteers, people that worked, everybody the, just the door, did it. It was twenty dollars a carload, and we and donated yeah, all the money you know. to the, and then we started expanding into. Going to the, all these schools in in Kentucky, not just Eastern Kentucky, but Central Kentucky, Western Kentucky, um, we just started going and asking them, "Hey, give us your Christmas wish list for your band program, your high school band, middle school band program, like for instruments and microphones and PA's and mic stands and music stands, tubas, saxophones, whatever." And they would, they would just send us a big list. And I mean, this stuff is expensive. It's and not cheap. We yeah. couldn't. I mean, we, but we wanted to make an impact. But it was really like, okay, we've got, you know, five thousand dollars to spend at this school. It's like we can't just go in there and buy one saxophone. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, because yeah. saxophones are like three grand. You know, they're like guitars. They can yeah. be whatever. So we would figure out how to go in, spend the money, allocate it correctly. And every year we kind of pick a pick a school and go with them. And we did it for, you know, eight years or something. I think and we're right at $2 million raised with Crocketsville. And yeah, a couple million amazing. dollars we ended up raising up there. Yeah. And then we did a lot of stuff on telev local television and in Kentucky and stuff for – we had a lot of natural disasters, you know what I mean? Floods like and Flooding and, and stuff like that. And we and still continue to help as much as we can up there when we can. And, you know, yeah, there was hurricanes at the time and, and – in Texas and Florida and 
I don't know. We just kind of we in Nashville. We had the Mother's Day flood here, and we did some stuff for that as well. So we've just kind of always had the reputation of of helping out when we can to come, you know, lend our time and and whatever to to help raise money for a good cause. And but music, our hearts are still like that. Music was 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 the main focus of it for the kids in the schools. Be yeah. I mean, music has been very good to us. It's been. It's gave us a good livelihood. It's it's kept us sane. It's been a good creative outlet for it. And we 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 found that the kids that are in the music programs tend to do better in schools and yeah. and they're better in life and they they flourish because they have that outlet. Yeah. And and some kids don't need that. No, they need that. And, yeah. And and that that was that was our focus for that. Mm-hmm. That's why it. That's why we wanted to do music. Yeah. I mean, you know how much you've raised and you know what you've given, but you probably don't even have a clue how many people's lives you've changed. It's funny just to, to hear you say that because through the years we've had, you know, you as an artist, you're always going to have people come up and share some very tender moments and yeah. things about, you know, naming their kid Daisy. And we've always had, you know, tattoos, you know, with our logo or terrible idea. Lyrics don't, or, don't do that kids. Do not <laughs> we've always us. had things, but the most, the most special ones are the ones like that. When someone comes up and says, Hey, you don't know me, but in 2011, you know, I was whatever, and we've had this happen so many times. I was at that school that you helped. And I, you know, I, I still play guitar. I'm in and college it, now. It helped me, it. and I've got a scholarship, yeah. and now I'm. You know, I mean, we have so many stories like that. I mean, that you fantastic. guys have. You guys have played with Taylor Elson Die. She's yep. a very good friend of you, mm-hmm. yours, and you. You guys have played a lot of shows together. You know that I mean, you know her story, but she hated school, yeah, and yeah. she was—I mean, she could have been a dropout. She yep. hated it so bad until music was introduced to her. That's right. On and and that completely changed her life. And I mean, yeah, to think of like people that have come up to you that are now in college and having having a, a career because they because you gave them that outlet through going and doing what you love to do more than anything in, anyway on yeah. a farm. We were going yeah. to do it anyway. Why not help somebody by doing yeah. it? You yeah. Know? yeah. It worked out, man. And, and God works in, in awesome ways. And so we're just proud to be a small part of yeah. anyone's story. You know yeah. what I mean? I love it. Well, let's get back to uh, like the the album and, and touring and all that. So when you guys would get in a room together, um, let's let's talk about that creative process. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like just just pick a song and maybe you guys can play a little bit of it. But uh, what would you say like your favorite song is that you've written together and just oh, the the idea how it came up? I mean, favorite songs. It's There's a bunch of them. Songs that I guess Daisy would be the one that I would say because it changed our lives. I mean, it got us a record deal. It got us on tour. It got us. You know, it was our first single on radio. It's one of the Video, first songs. You know, yeah. we did all that stuff that. You know, kind of the path that you have to take and that you want to take. Yeah. And that song was the vehicle that got us into all that. You know, yeah. and it kind of launched us, and it's always special. You know, and they say that you, you know, you get sick of playing songs. We're never sick of playing a song that changed your life like no. that. You know what I mean? And to like, see people that, I mean, that song is endeared, and people have started groups over it. We have a, a group called the Daisies that follow us around still to this day. Don't know why. I guess. They, they love us. Loyal. They love that song. Country music fans are so loyal. They are. Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible how they stick with you through thick and thin. And we've had, Lord knows, we've had ups and downs and sideways every each side. Um, so it's been cool to watch them always stick together. And they're friends. Yeah, they've become they 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 didn't know each other. You know, in these groups of you know small <laughs> groups of like 
a hundred people or whatever these, and they they'll find us wherever we are and always show up and you know support us and whatever and they're always talking and and sing that song back to us yeah yeah when you see somebody sing something back to you that you've created from scratch it's a different feeling all the money in the world can't replace it it's different for sure very special so how how did that song come about where did Um, the idea come from we i booked a writing appointment with with anthony smith um, who has written a bunch of hits he's a prolific writer and Chad and I were we, we were big fans of his record. Yeah, yeah. at the time, you know yeah. our manager turned us on to his record, and and yeah. he was actually he was on Mercury. Yep. Uh, before us, and and uh, he released this 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 badass record. It was just full of banging hits. But we got a writing a writing date with him, and we went to Universal, uh, which that's funny. It was before we got signed to Universal, but it was Universal Publishing. Mm-hmm. And we were upstairs, I remember for a fact, and we went in and we were just throwing around ideas. And uh, We started writing another song. Yeah, we started writing a song called Got Back Up, which was on our record too. Mm-hmm. And we actually wrote two that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chad started doing this thing and Anthony joined in. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. They're like, hell. And we started writing some lyrics to it and. And in country music, you have to kill somebody, I think. <laughs> and why not kill a mother in childbirth, you know? <laughs> that, that brings everybody together. We were all fans of story songs, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Like, that yeah. was, that's the thing about a song like that. Like, it's a story song. And that's what's always attracted me to country music. I love, you know, I love big guitars and production and fun shows and high energy and stuff. But also in country music, I love that you can break it down with a voice and maybe one or two instruments, whether it's guitar, piano, whatever it might be, and just focus and hone in on the lyric and the story takes you And you see the pictures. You see the characters. So that was what we we were trying to do at that point when we sat down and we started writing the song. Mm -hmm. And And Anthony's so good, man. He would just... I remember we were having trouble with one part and he was like, and he walked out of the room. It came back in like five minutes later and had it done. It's like, holy shit, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And then um, I honestly, for me at the time, I knew Daisy was a great song, but I was all about got back up because Chad and I were just rocking out. We yeah. were heavy, Marshall, you know, Les Paul, just ah screaming. And that song was so much of a different entity for what we were doing at the time. At our live show. At our yeah, live show. You know what I mean? But. Everybody kept commenting on it. We're like, oh my God, that song's amazing. And I'm like, it is. Oh, it is. Wow, that is. It's something different. You get yourself into a mindset of how you're how you think one direction is. Right. But then you're like, oh, I gotta look at this other side of it too. And, and there's been a lot of bands over the years that have done that. I mean, um, but it, it finally came around. I was like, oh yeah, that there's something really special about this song. Yeah. I love it. You wanna play part of it? Yeah, no, let's do it. I don't. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Ready, buddy? Mama named her Daisy Got it from a magazine Through the mountains in her white dress She run chasing me Thought she was faster Cause I told her so Even though wasn't quite the truth 
I know she's an angel, even though she ain't got wings. Cause my sweet Daisy love the hell out of me. There in the back pew of a Sunday morning church, the preacher preaching gospel. That's when I gave her her first kiss. She told me so, even though it wasn't quite the truth. I know she's an angel, even though she ain't got wings. Those my sweet daisy love the hell out of me. She gave me her body. She bared me her soul, didn't ask for nothing Led me down to the river She said you need to be baptized Help me under the moonlight Lord, I don't know why She loved the hell out of me Let's go! Come Let's on! Let's go! I love it. That's how you play the banjo. That is how you do it. How's that finger, man? <laughs> Woo! Is <laughs> your dog barking? Good times. Let me not do that stuff anymore. Mm, man, you're not, you're so good. So good. Thanks, I man. I love it. Thank you, bud. Well, man, this, is, uh, this has been such a blast. I, uh, I want to talk about what is coming up with both of you guys just real quick so we can see, yeah. touch on that. Cause you, you like you guys said, you're still playing shows together, yeah. um, but you're also doing your own thing. Um, yeah. So... Uh, just real quick as we as we kind of wrap up, um, either one of you uh, go first. But uh, like, let's talk about your solo career stuff too. Man, I've I've just been actually it's been a, a really good couple of days for me. I, I've I've been writing. I, I started writing at Curb uh, Word Publishing a couple of years ago, and they've been setting me up with people, and and I've been focusing a lot on songwriting. And I found out that I'm getting a uh, a Ronnie Dunn cut. Come I on. found out yes, day before yesterday, and it might turn into a cut with Garth Brooks as well. Wow. So I'm pretty excited David, about that. let's go, I don't want to jinx it. Yeah. I Too hope, late. I, I, I know. <laughs> and you know what? Every time I'm on this stage, I play a song and it ends up not getting cut. And I don't know, I don't know <laughs> that's if that's, if that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, man, I'm just I, doing some songwriter stuff here and there. playing a lot of listening room. Yep. Uh, big, And I want to thank you for that, man. Oh, man. I got to tell you. I know... Uh, it's 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 hard to find a place in Nashville that takes care of songwriters as much as you do, and I know you're a songwriter and you understand, it. dude. Thank you. Oh, man. This place deal. this place has changed a lot of people's lives, and it's helped a lot of people through a lot of hard times, and me me included. So thank you for building what you have here, man. We appreciate played, that. You no, know, we played honestly. We've been blessed. We played every venue. In Nashville, obviously, yep. and then across America, Canada. I mean, we've we've done a lot of cool stuff. Um, and this venue is unique because you really take care of the performers and the writers financially, as well as promoting them and stuff. And that's a big deal. Mm. And from the from our side, which I know you are a writer as well, but from us, a big debt of gratitude to yeah. you. Thank you for having a a facility like this where you. Because you're bringing in, what's your capacity? What's how many seats? 250. So 250 people every time, and it sells out every time. It's just yeah. amazing what you do, and you're exposing people that might not have ever seen this kind of format. 
and it's amazing. Thank you for doing what you do. No. Yeah. Appreciate but, that to both of you. Yeah. We've, we've, we've actually got a, a show coming up. We do a, a thing every year for um, back in Kentucky. Yeah, they help buy Christmas presents for you know kids that might not be able to go. afford it. Still giving back. We, I love we it. always do. Yeah. I We're mean, trying to build up that karma for stuff we've done in the past. <laughs> hey, we're trying to overcome it. <laughs> we're actually doing that with Taylor. Um, yeah. So we'll, that's a that's a fun show. We do an annual thing. We do every year. We we'll also do. Uh, Tracy Lawrence's Turkey Fry. We've yep. done that. Yep. For, I don't know how many, a dozen years at it's least. It's been a lot. Yeah. Um, we do that every year. We we love being a part of that great charity. Um, and Tracy does a great job with 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 that event. So, um, we're still getting show offers. Yeah, I we mean, get shows. With, like you know, we've got show offers for next year. This year we went to Canada again, which was nice to be back yep. up there. We played, did a show with Darius Rucker a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we still get offers to play a few shows and as long as the offers come in, we'll still, we'll still honor them and get out and play. Um, as far as me personally, I, I'm kind of taking more of a pro- producing, um, type of role. Like I like being, I love being creative behind the glass and helping other people with yep. their, with, uh, the production and the, and the, how the music, I've always been attracted to that. I've always done that part when, when we were being in the studio and stuff. I love, you know, being a, a, a guide or someone that can maybe hear it a little bit different way and try different ideas and putting different personnel together and, and being creative and process that way. But I love doing live shows too. And I actually got a project. I get approached by some strange, interesting projects all the time. And I got one this week that I'm not allowed to talk about, but it's interesting to say the least. Um, and it's always fun to, and flattering, that's just flattered, rude. You know? I mean, you it know, is pretty it's rude. Rude. Well, I don't I'm even not know gonna, about yeah. it. Yeah, it's it, it's <laughs> always, but it's to me, it's just funny because, you know, like when, when something comes out of the blue, you know what I mean? Like when you're not expecting it, and you get approached by yeah. something, and you're like, okay, and then you have to wrap your head around it. But you know, honestly, at our age, like we have to, we really vet it out now. You yeah. know what I mean? Before, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, anything that came along, you're like, you're just hopped up. It's like. Yeah, sign me up for I it. I just want to play. But now you you think about it a little more. You know, yeah. we've we've toured. You know, I've been on the road honestly since '99. You know yeah. what I mean? And I, the last couple of years, I've slowed down quite a bit on purpose, just to spend a little more time with family and do things a little bit differently. But um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not against it. I love it at the right opportunity. But yeah. you know, it's got to be it's got to be a certain level nowadays. We're yeah. a little, you know, we're older. We, our backs are bad, and we. Don't want to sleep in a fifteen passenger van no, for two weeks, right? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be a certain level. I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to go too deep on this, but I think it's something that we should at least talk about because one of the things that you're also doing, Chad, is like you talked earlier about growing up in Kentucky and just riding motorcycles and yeah. just all of that, and uh, your best friend is like one of the one of the or. Is he the? Apparently, like, he is the, the yeah, greatest of all time. The goat. The goat. Yeah, yeah. Ricky Carmichael and I have been good friends for many years, and uh, so now you're doing all these like. Epic Actually, he rides. came to our first Crockettsville. He rode. Yeah. He had just retired, and he rode at our first. I actually event. beat him. <laughs> I beat him. I beat Ricky Carmichael at our first Crockett's. Brushing his teeth, man. Yes. That's about- yeah. Did <laughs> you uh, Did you punch him in the ribs? Before I'm, I'm so much taller than him. Uh, but I, yeah, I've been doing some stuff with with him and Triumph Motorcycles over the last couple of years, which has been a lot of fun. And I hope it grows into a little bit more. Um, it's nice to I mix a little music in with it, which yeah. is, a, is a cool thing. You know, some of these little corporate, smaller you know events, and you go and play for 
uh, a room full of guys and gals that really appreciate the music and stuff and put things gals? together. Yeah, well, and so it's, it's a lot sandwich? of fun. Like, I, and it's for me, it's like the ultimate because I'm mixing. It's kind of like when we did the Caucusville yeah. thing. I'm mixing yeah. the, the things I'm really passionate about. But I love motorcycles. I love being off road, and I love being um, on two wheels. Yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty exciting. We uh, we all hung out in St. Augustine a couple months ago together, and uh, uh, you were showing me all these pictures at the airport before we took off, yeah. and I was just like, dude, I so. I it's can't cool. wait. I want to go on one of those trips. It's, it's, it's a lot blast. of fun. I mean, they've been. I've been spoiled because they've been well documented. We've had like professional photographers out taking, you know, drone footage and yeah. all this cool things, and we're getting to see really cool places. And it's, it's. I mean, I'll say it this way: if you're not into motorcycles, you should give it a try because it's the most unique perspective to see like going out west or whatever which is fantastic if you're in a jeep or hiking but on two wheels i mean it's just crazy because you can look around you see things you're engaged you're in the elements you're feeling you know the rain the snow the hail whatever it might be at that point and uh we i really enjoy it adventure bike and dirt biking and i still have the harley i get out occasionally too but anything on two wheels man sign me up i love it well as we wrap up, I always end with the same question. So, uh, if you guys can go back to eight-year-old self, back in Kentucky, oh. everything that you've learned now, David, you might not remember everything. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, if you go back, like everything that you've done, um, what advice do you guys give yourself today? David, start with you. I, I pay more attention. Yeah. I, I think... I skipped over a lot of it, just not knowing what a, a blessing and, and an opportunity I had in a lot of my career. And I, I would go back and be like, man, just, just focus and, and look a little more mm. and, 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 and watch, watch what you're doing and, and see how blessed you are to truth. Cause now I understand it. You yeah. know, I look back and I love the memories that I have, but I, if I was more in the moment at that time, it might have been better, but yeah. I'm very, very happy where I am now, but that's what I would tell myself. That's great. Chad, I really wouldn't change anything. I have no, I have zero regrets. Um, for me, I might tell myself to enjoy a little more and not overthink things. My personality is to overthink things. I'm a, that's just my personality. So that might be my advice to myself: is just like, don't overthink it. Sometimes just follow your heart and jump without, with no caution. You know, just yeah. jump, jump in the water. Love that. Well, this has been a blast. Thank you, man. I Thanks for having us, y'all. Yeah. Thanks, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. This has been another episode of Stories Behind Songs. You've been listening to Halfway to Hazard. We'll put uh, notes in uh, in the in the liner notes below, so you can go uh, find out where to follow these guys. Please go follow their music. I'd and like to um, thank my mom. I like to thank. <laughs> what I do? Just keep my going. Hands. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess we're done, right, David? You're gonna take over. I'm you wanna, hungry. I you want to take us out? Hey, you take us out. Hey, you this has up? been the stories behind the song with Chris Blair and Halfway to Hazard. I think that's what it's called. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks. This has been an episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information after the show, head over to chrisblair.com. That's where you can find information on these episodes, trailer notes, video links, all kinds of great stuff. Also, make sure to leave us a great rating on iTunes. Like and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. 
I really hope that you think this show is awesome and we really appreciate the love and support. I promise to keep gathering great content and continuing to sit down with more amazing songwriters and artists as we grow. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for the support. We'll see you next time.